0: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital
1: scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast.
2: This is the Neverland Podcast, episode one hundred and four.
1: Second start of the right and start until morning. Neverland.
3: Good night.
2: When I think of important moments in history, of course, I think of many of them. I think of Pearl Harbor. I think of the falling of the Berlin Wall. I think of the building of the Empire State Building. I think of whenever Mount Rushmore was opened up for tour. And of course, I think of the very first episode of the Neverland podcast.
4: Two years ago today. Two years ago today, really? Yes, I am your pan, the spider pan, reminding you to take your pixie out of your pocket, sprinkle some of that pixie dust, and get some of that happiness going, and so we can fly to Never-ga- Neverland, for the last time in two years. Wow, the last time in two years—you well, got it, yeah, with me. Because it's been now two years. This is this is the end of our second season. Wow, isn't that something? My goodness, <laughs> and of course, with me here we have Lost Boy Philip. Hello there everyone. Also known as Kryptonian. That's what they call me. That's what we call you because it fits you because you're such a Superman fan. That's right. That's but, right. But my goodness, 2 years now I've been doing this. Who would have thought I even who'd have thought I even made it, would have made it past 1 year? Really? Well,
2: I tell you. Time flies, and so does Pan. I do see.
4: Oh, indeed. (laughs) Has it been three days already? (laughs) Time flies, and so do you. I see. (laughs) Oh yes, and if anyone doesn't know what movie that's from, go stop and watch Hook for crying out loud. How can you? How can you not have seen Hook and be listening to a show that calls itself Neverland? Uh, You bet. My goodness. Well, yeah, it's been a fun couple of years. I mean, the first year, because uh, I meet a lot of new people with guests, mm-hmm. but we've added on to the show. I mean, the first year, I uh, I, you know, I had met Jesse Stevenson, and I got to talk to him, and I brought him on to the show and became part of the team. Yeah. Uh, but this, this second year, it's been fun. Uh, we've added Eric Warren. Yes. Uh, Lost boy Eric. He's Well, he's been very active, and he's been a lot of fun to have on. Uh, he's done very well having him on. He's always great, and... Uh, and we are, by the way, speaking of Jesse, we are, you know, keeping his family in mind. Those of you who know him on Facebook know he's had kind of a, a family um, issue. I don't, you know, I don't want to share too much. It's, no, it's really no. up to him. Uh, but we are thinking of, of Jesse and uh, his entire family in this time. Um, so we, actually, I want to dedicate this show um, to your family. Yes. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. I won't say any more about that. That's really Jesse's news. Uh, but so this year, though, we've added Eric, uh, which is, you know, just because he was kind of fun to talk to, and I, he, I just kept having him guest so often, I was like, you know, you're just part of the team now. Yeah, uh, He's been very helpful in sending us a lot of great audio files from Disneyland this year. And he really saved my voice on that last episode, because I really couldn't, t- not, my voice still sounds bad, but having his Disneyland audio mixed in was really great. Good. Keep Good. <laughs> so, you from being completely hoarse. Yeah, so it's great. We've added some new people in there. Uh, Heather started co-hosting with me this year. Good. Although she hasn't really been able to be on every single episode. Uh, And right now she's still uh, recovering from knee surgery at this time, so she's not in the room. Well, that's all right. So it's been quite a bit. And then, oh my goodness, I've had so many neat guests this year. What, old guests have you uh, had? I uh, you I know, had Jeff Barnes, who uh, had wrote this book, The Wisdom of Walt, who's has become an Amazon bestseller. Good. And he sent me a nice little thank you uh, over, I think, was it on Twitter? He sent me a nice thank you for, for supporting his book, and he's just been popping up everywhere. Uh, my goodness, we had, I think we've probably talked to Katie Lee again and Paul Barry again, just, oh my goodness, talked to um, Greg Wiseman who was uh, one of the creators behind Gargoyles and talked about his his book series that he writes Uh, also got to talk to Jeffrey Weissman and he was George McFly in the second Ah. Back to the Future film and the third one yes he was the uh, the new actor and uh You know, fit so well in the role that you really didn't notice much difference. That's right. And he's so funny in his scene where he's hanging upside down there when he feels. You're right. Yeah, of course you're right. Yeah, he's so (laughs) great, and it was great to talk to him. And he had a cruise he was putting together to raise money for Michael J. Fox uh, for his Parkinson's group. Uh, My goodness! And then, of course, we went to a lot of conventions this year. Shared a lot of audio from like Sean Astin. That was popular. Awesome. Uh, The most popular one was the Carrie Elwes. Oh um, I love him. Oh my goodness, the audio I had from that, and my goodness, this is that's just been this year and I mean this coming year, you know, I'll get to go to these conventions again, there's gonna be even more audio. And I haven't even shared everything from the Kansas City Comic Convention. Well there you go, man. I, I still got more, more stuff to share. And of course always finding lots of fun audio from the past to share. I mean goodness sakes. Always lots of fun to have, and I've been having so much fun doing this for two years. So how many
2: more years do you expect to do this, Pan the Man?
4: My, until I'm just too old. Well, Am, am I ever going to get too old to be able to do this? You're the pan, after all. I am the pan. I'm not supposed to be aging. That's so, right. I mean, I'll just keep on going until people get sick and tired of hearing me. If I suddenly have an episode and I see zero downloads, then I know everybody's tired of hearing well, from uh, me. As you know, spirit is willing. Yeah. My flesh is certainly weak. <laughs> and that was fun. I did that for our hundredth episode. Had all those different sound clips, uh-huh. and you could hear when I was sick, my voice would would be gone. Uh, so it's, it was kind of fun going through and revisiting. So We don't need to dwell too long, really, though, on finishing a second season because we just had that 100th episode, Milestone, and that was almost like a celebration of two years right there. Yeah, c- very close. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it was a clip show, honestly, and that was hard to put together. That, but it was a lot of fun, I'm, and I'm so happy with the way it turned out. I got to listen to have a lot of memories. I can't even remember when I joined in. Was it uh, uh second, second episode? Second episode,
2: there you go. Or no,
4: third, because we had the... Uh, we did christmas memories and I probably did talk to you on that yes, one cuz I talked to a lot of people at my church from christmas memories and stuff like that but then we talked about christmas pageants oh yeah which I think we might just revisit that topic with Eric and Jesse yeah that would be fun um, cuz i'm sure you know they probably did some christmas pageants when they were younger and i don't think we've got any stories from heather yet i mean we got christmas coming in here i have so much fun Finding content for Christmas, because I just love Christmas.
2: Well, Christmas is my favorite time of year, because everyone becomes a Santa Claus. There's a smile on every face for the
4: entire human race. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's some song quoting. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But, oh my goodness, Season 3 kicks off right in the Christmas season, too. That's right. And not only is it Christmas season, it is Star Wars season. Dun 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 dun, 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 In fact, dun, 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 Darwin, you know, we got Season of the Force going on in Disneyland right now. That's right. Unfortunately, I'm not there. Yeah. As you can see. Well, you can't
2: see. You can't see his shirt, but... <laughs> I'm wearing a Darth Vader Christmas shirt, uh, which says Merry Sithmas. Yeah. I'm wearing a Darth Vader Santa hat. But I don't have a little white ball on the end of it. It's black, and I like that, too. Because, you know, every once in mean, a while, and yesterday was Black Friday. So what are you sure. going to do? You have to. What you going to do? What you going to do, brother?
4: And We haven't spent a lot of time talking like old classic wrestling on this show yet. because uh, Really, because I didn't start the Disney Focus until Season 2. Yeah. I think that's when I made a, a formal announcement, out of it, because I had you all here, even, uh, that I was going to start doing a bit more Disney Focus, because I realized I was kind of going that way anyway. Yeah. And Disney owns everything I love, pretty much.
2: You came out of the Disney closet. I,
4: I came out of the Disney closet. <laughs> Although we still, uh, we've branched away. Close it with Mickey ears. Yeah, we branched away this year. I, I talked with uh, Shaz Bazaar from Techno Retro Dads about the old uh, toy line mask. Uh, Crusaders
2: working overtime, fighting crime, fighting, fighting crime. Secret. Ra- See, <laughs> okay. I'm a nerd. The moment you start that up, you know I'm gone. Oh, yeah. And
4: then, of course, we had... Uh, Jedi. That's the thing I've had, I've talked about Shazbazar and Jedi Schwa from from Techno Retro Dads, but not at the same time. But Jedi Schwa came on uh, with his his teammate Jay, his partner on his his Scarlet Velocity and uh, Green Justice podcast to talk a little Flash and Green Arrow. There you go, man. Uh, my, my goodness! So we've branched away a little bit from Disney. Still talk about some other geek things. You you know know so I like
2: about that idea though. I like the fact that there's times we talked about Star Trek. Which is kind of the opposite of Star Wars, with yeah. Star Wars being involved with Disney. Although and, I still haven't
4: done a full Star Trek show.
2: You well, know, someday we're going to have to do that.
4: Oh, yeah. And I've definitely got to bring in Scott and Tracer from Disney, well, Indiana. What, no, I, they're I, big I,
2: Trekkies. I have an idea about that. This upcoming September, I know it's a ways away... But that'll be the 50th anniversary. Oh, indeed. That's whenever the show
4: started and all. That's when you should have your show. All right. So everybody book that in your mind. September, Star Trek 50th anniversary show. And until then,
2: I'm going to call your own smile. Are we still going to have that show in September? Are we going to still... Still. Oh, friend. Yeah, exactly. Right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely do that cuz that's another one like I said Scott and Tracy who have also been frequent guests over go. here. And that's if right. anybody listens to Disney Indiana, I've been frequently uh uh during they're, the, they're doing a special uh Star Trek or not Star Trek. Sorry, Star Wars. Uh, type of series that uh, up until The Force Awakens and uh, Heather and I recorded some different uh, answered a few questions that they had so definitely make sure you check out Disney Indiana to hear that uh, so it's Disney been kind of fun Indiana, guesting Indiana, Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> yep. uh, we also over there at Disney go. Indiana this year started the Neverland Karaoke Cantina there you go which uh, so far I'm the only one who's really submitted anything that's been an open thing where anybody who feels like singing a Disney tune uh, we have some instructions on how to do that uh, I'll have something. to do that
2: sometime. Get yeah. over there and show me how.
4: And I, yeah, I recommend basically record just your vocals. So play the song in your headphones, so and then sing the vocal part, and then I can remove the vocal. Which actually, Philip and I have been working on that for your Christmas program at church. That's right, removing the vocal from music. Uh, and I must say. Uh, and now, at last, I see the light from Tangled. The vocal remover works very well and removes it cleanly, and it still sounds really good. So somebody needs to do that. If, if my voice comes back, then maybe Heather and I will to record that. song. Absolutely so beautiful. That would be fun. But maybe somebody else would like to sing that. You know, husband and wife somewhere out there, maybe we can get uh, Scott and Tracy to sing that one for us.
2: I like seeing Bare Necessities.
4: That's oh, simple. Totally, we got to do that. Bad, we got. I could have you do that right now before yeah, we go.
2: That would be great.
4: <laughs> so, oh yes, be listening to a future episode of Disney Indiana to hear Philip singing Bear Necessities. Uh, but I've also also able to guest star on uh, uh, Techno Retro Dash to talk about Spider Man uh, this year. Good. So yeah, it's been fun. I've been a guest in a few other places. We competed with uh, some other Disney podcasts with Behind the Magic this year. Uh, did not get very far, Jesse got us through the round and then i I failed at my round with you know not that I didn't submit something good, but I didn't quite follow under the parameters of what they wanted for. You were flipping out i I slipped I out yeah <laughs> I, I I ran a little too long with it so uh, but it was fun you know I, my goodness I've gotten to do so much and meet so many people over the last two years that I'm looking forward to what happens this third year and I hope you all are excited too. Because, you know, we got to keep this thing going. If we get this thing to just keep growing and building, because, you know, the essence of what we're trying to do is, of course, spread pixie dust. That's right. Basically, I'm trying to start your week with uh, something happy, something positive, and hopefully you can keep it throughout the week and share it with some other happy, people. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do here is start you out with something happy and what's be- what's happier than childhood memories of something we loved. Well, grace skies are going to clear up. Put on My a happy, happy face. face. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we're full of music quotes around here today, apparently. Amongst
2: other things. <laughs>
4: oh, but you know what? Not only is this a two year anniversary show, but this is a great episode because you know what? We are going to sit with Eric Warren to talk about the new Disney Pixar movie, The Good Dinosaur. Awesome. Awesome I stuff. I got to
2: see it. I haven't seen it
4: yet. Yeah, well, I have. Eric saw it. Good. And we're going to have a nice little discussion coming up. And of course, after that. Remember last week, I did promise you all I was going to once again, although we've heard it before, but it's we got to break it out again. Uh, it's a, this vinyl LP. It's a long-playing vinyl that they did. The story of Star Wars, and then they had a story of Empire Strikes Back, and then a Return of the Jedi. And over the next three weeks, I will be playing those recordings. Fun. Uh, as we go into The Force Awakens, which is coming up on the 18th, we were like... You know what you got to do? By the do? time that, you know, when you guys hear this, it'll be about 19 days away. We
2: need to use some of the recordings from the record that we have of C-3PO and R2-D2's Christmas, remember?
4: Oh, yes. We'll probably play some of those Christmas oh, songs. Yes. Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, yes. That, hey,
2: Happy Life Day.
4: Oh, of course. Happy Life Day. <laughs> For anyone who can tolerate sitting through that Christmas special. A hats holiday off to special. You. Holidays, <laughs> oh, that's holiday special. I think Eric said he was going to expose his children to it. It is uh, wonderfully horrible. Whoa. Uh, or just horribly horrible. Well, I tried to watch it when I was converting it off of VHS tape onto your your DVD, and yeah. uh, hey, I listen, couldn't get through it.
2: If we could watch
4: episode one.
2: <laughs> you know, I actually like episode one. I like things about it. I like things about episode it's two. A, it's before.
4: the only one that had a really good cohesive story. Really? To me, really. I think the third one's my favorite, personally. Yeah third one just had great dramatic events what
2: what I love about third one is that it connected well to the other films coming up really
4: because Leia remembers her mother when she died yes I mean Lucas he Uh, uh, he lucified it but that being said That being said, for the most part, it connected well. Sort of, but (laughs) but that's some interesting. You know, and this has already been news that it already came out. You know, he was George Lucas was talking at uh, I think the Tribeca Film Festival or something about how he really wasn't involved and he's looking forward to the surprises of the Force Awakens. Uh, And he's been talking recently with like uh, CBS and basically saying that yeah, he brought in his stories of what he had originally planned and Disney said, well, we'd rather do something we think the fans will enjoy. Yeah. Which, you know, makes me wonder, and I wrote an article about this, it's at news.neverlandpodcast.com. I would actually like George to write three novels of what his stories were intended to be, because I'm sure Disney would love to release them. Money, you know. Yeah. So we know what he was planning to do, because I'm curious, but we know also now The Force Awakens has absolutely nothing to do with what George Lucas well, wanted not, to do. not
2: to sound disrespectful, but I he think that's probably a lost good thing. his... He's kind of lost. It's much, much like Gene Roddenberry lost his touch. Yeah, uh, and they kind of did the same thing to him in Paramount.
4: They kind of had to. Yeah, had to break away from it. But. And it did well when they did. But we'll always love that he did create something that we have loved for Absolutely. my goodness. Several has things. been nearly thirty years. No, it has been thirty years. It hasn't. Yeah, it? It's yeah. no, 40 it's, it's years. been like it's been thirty-eight years because I was born the it's day it was released. When so. the next episode comes out, it'll be the fortieth anniversary. Well, yeah,
2: episode eight? Yeah. Uh huh. My goodness, that's right. Wow. That's why they're bringing it out earlier than just every three years because they want to go Yeah, they wanted to, the 40th yeah, yeah.
4: And in between we've got Rogue yes. One
2: coming. Yes. In between we've got My films. a good film. Great Some, time to be a Star Wars fan. Absolutely. Some people are thinking oh they're going to the fight. Listen man I've seen the prequels I don't think you can be you know get yeah. worse if you will and so therefore what what are they gonna do
4: and okay why are we worried about disnifying stuff has Disney not proven to be a successful yes, movie company a fantasy and enjoyable yes. oh my goodness uh, and then you know there's people no, who we're are, not gonna see Mickey Mouse heres no kidding but thing. we're gonna see quality films yep that's right. my goodness this is a powerhouse of movie making and entertainment and all this has been and yeah and, and people wonder you know you know because there's not going to be Star wars weekends anymore because uh, they said uh, we have a season of the force And there's people upset about that. I know it's been a tradition thing, but think of it this way. With the new Star Wars stuff being built into the park, every weekend is going to be Star Wars weekends. Yeah. You're going to have Star Wars there all the time now. It's going to take time to build it. But, you know, I'm not that upset about Star Wars weekends going away because I know eventually it will come into the park. And maybe I'll finally get a chance to go and check it out, because I never got to go to Star Wars weekends anyway. Yeah. So I don't have that kind of money all the time.
2: Well, not just that. This will be, like you said, a year-long thing. It'd be like having a Christmas uh, section of Disney, and people complain that they didn't have it. Well, of course, they wouldn't do that. But still... The point is. Well, I think they have a store there. that is always selling yeah, Christmas that one stuff. Is, though. So absolutely. yeah, there's
4: always Christmas in, in Disney World.
2: I more or less mean like they decide not to have a parade because they have oh. the same parade every day in a certain yeah. area. I don't see them ever doing that. But the point is, is that at least you can get it. You can yeah. get all Star Wars. You all can time. get it,
4: and I'm sure they still will have amazing guests coming. Well, in. When May the Fourth is going to. Yeah, there's going to. You know because. I'm sure, uh, I almost said Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but that's not right. <laughs> James Arnold Taylor. Uh, I'm sure he'll be coming in and hosting some more events and maybe talk to Mark Hamill some more. I'm sure that Disney's still going to do that because they know we love it. So you know, And who
2: knows, maybe Jonathan Taylor Thomas will also be involved Simba. Sure, maybe he'll, maybe he'll
4: pop up and he'll be Jar Jar's long lost brother. That's right. You know. Simba Binks. Simba Binks, yeah, there you go. Oh, and speaking of Simba, did anybody see... The new Lion Guard series that debuted last Sunday night.
2: No, what is it?
4: Uh, it's, I, I almost said it's awful, but I think for the target audience of kids, it's okay. I, it was, it was all right. I, I kind of liked it, but the, I, I guess I'm too grown up for it. I know I'm sorry. The panda grew up a little bit, but uh, I, I know too much biology that when they, when they had um, Simba's daughter is going to be the new queen. Uh, I was like, wait a minute! Don't you understand what a pride is? A pride of lions. It's the one male who has mating rights to all the females, but I guess you know a cartoon you don't want to do that. But yeah. I, that kind of stuck me. I was like, but wait a minute. That's not how a pride works. Isn't this supposed to be like a pride and it's the pride lands? But, well, this is sort of a fairy tale in the animal kingdom, so it's not really realistic, the animal kingdom. Um, so, you know, you can get over that. But that that hit me at first. I'm like, wait a minute. That's weird. Um, but whatever, you know, it's and it, as a show, I think it's going to be very well for the younger kids. Uh, I don't, have, I don't think I'll be checking it out myself. Well, I, I was, whatever was that okay. uh,
2: cartoon was about the barnyard animals, it had a, a man, yeah, who a, a,
4: a bull that had udders
2: Yeah, so I don't uh, think kids know nor necessarily need to know all that. You know, yeah,
4: <sighs> it, it is silly. Yeah, I, I, on some things I think you just got to be able to learn some stuff, but yeah, my goodness. <laughs> kids are going to be surprised when they learn this stuff in biology and say, like, no, it doesn't work that way, and, you know, they're going to argue with the teacher or something. But anyway, I don't know, but yeah, the, the, uh, it it was a pretty pretty decent show, but I don't think it's something that the parents are going to be able to watch with their kids and enjoy as much. It is, the music was pretty good. The music was done by the uh, original composers, you know. Oh, um uh, I can't remember the specific Tim names, Rice. but yeah, I think Tim Rice. Yeah, was, and John. And, but no, Elton John, I don't believe, was working on this one. Uh, I, I did when they they announced the show. I know I did mention it on an episode, and we talked about it a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure Tim Rice was supposed to have come back, or you know, some of the original was supposed to come back with the music. Either way, however, the music worked. I might be getting this entirely wrong, but the music was pretty good. Uh, but it, you know, I don't know. It was it was just okay. I, I it didn't grab me as much as even the film, The Lion King, does. Yeah, it seemed more on the level of those old, uh, you know, straight to video sequels that they used to do. Well, they did do one of that. Yeah, they Simba. did a few uh, ones, yeah. and I don't know that this really connects in with those sequel bits at all. Because I don't, I don't remember, uh, you know, who who Simba's kids were in the sequel. There, I remember he did have like yeah, you had know, a Star had somebody did have a daughter and so it might be picking up and grabbing that but they gave him another son to be the beginning of the Lion Guard which there was so much uh, Star Wars I noted in this um, and I don't want to spoil if you haven't seen this if you have this on your DVR but they had this Lion Guard that had existed and it was kind of like the Jedi Order and Scar was in charge of it but Scar went to the dark side and wiped out the rest of the Jedi Uh, that's pretty much what happened to the original Lion Guard and so now Simba's son is like the new Luke and he is going to put together the new Jedi Order or Lion Guard uh, I don't know. I thought, it, I thought it had some Star Wars similarities, and there were some lines that did harken back to Star Wars a little bit. And I think it might have been on purpose. It might be because they're like we own Star Wars now, so we got to mix it into everything, you know, just for the fun of it. Uh, and the, and the, I don't know if the kids would get. Well, the kids probably would get that stuff now, but uh, definitely, I think a show. I think the kids are going to love it, but the adults are going to be like, "No, this is okay," you know. Yeah. And I don't think it's as much fun for the adults. But you know what? I think it'll probably be a successful series. It was very well done. It's nice to see a lot of hand-drawn animation coming back. That's uh, but we probably better get this show rolling and uh, take some time to talk to Eric about The Good Dinosaur. All right.
0: Hi! There'll be spectacle. There'll be fantasy. There'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see.
1: Hey, a movie. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie. Starring
4: How are you people seeing this for the first time? Hermit, I got a great picture of the chicken! Oh, good!
5: I think we went far enough get you home. Is his name? I don't know. I name him, I keep him. Killer.
3: Ah. Stinky! Violet. Spike! Lunatic! Spot! Spot! Come here, Spot, come here! Well, ain't you just the cutest thing. <sighs> I'm done being scared. If you ain't scared, you ain't alive.
4: took an opportunity to go out to see The Good Dinosaur this, this Thanksgiving weekend, and I wasn't the only one, because Lost Boy Eric also went... I did as well! Yes! And I tell you what, uh, just from flat first impression... I gotta say, this was probably one of the most visually stunning things I think Pixar has ever gone out and and made. Uh, It reminded me of that old dinosaur movie Disney had made where they had filmed actual uh, footage and then animated the dinosaurs into it. I really, a lot of the times, thought I was looking at real environments.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, All through the end credits, my wife was, now that's real, isn't it? I said, no, that's all computer generated. It is just incredible the The one thing that I've been using to describe this movie to everyone I've encountered has been
4: the the cinematography is just absolutely gorgeous oh yeah, which it shouldn't surprise me because even with uh what was it the blue one Borella uh that was amazing it, sh- it I, I you'd almost think that they had filmed the movie except for you would have inanimate objects that were able to move mm-hmm. Just amazing what they're able to do, and can, you know when you compare, you know, Toy Story's been on TV here this past week, and so you see, you know, Pixar's first feature film effort, and it looks kind of still cartoony and everything, and it still looks very good, but when you compare it to what Pixar's putting out now, you're just, I, it, I'm floored. Oh yeah, oh definitely, you yeah, know,
0: and really the only the only thing that's cartoony about it are the characters within
4: the movie itself. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't have given them such a cartoony look, you would have thought you were watching a live action movie. Oh yeah, I mean, wow! Just <laughs> just
0: absolutely amazing. The just just the way that they make it look. The the one thing that sticks out to me is the the shot of the sun of a sunset. Mm-hmm. And you see, well, let, let's talk a little bit about our characters. You've got uh, Arlo and a mm-hmm. who's. Uh, the youngest of three kids.
4: Yep, and uh, we get to see them from the very beginning,
0: fresh from their eggs. Exactly. And, uh, you know, their parents, Mama and Papa,
4: are very loving. Um, yep, voiced by Jeffrey Wright and Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. Which, Jeffrey Wright, you know, the name seemed so familiar, and I always, I keep wanting to think that that was uh, there's this comedian who's very deadpan, gives a lot of good one-liners. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, think- I
0: know exactly who you're talking about. His last name is Wright, and I don't remember his first name.
4: But it almost reminded me of him because he did have that nice, good quality of voice. But, uh, yeah, you know, Jeffrey Wright, you probably might recognize him when you get a look at him. He was, he's the new, um, oh, golly, from James Bond. Felix, there we go. Yes, He's the new Felix. When you get a look at him, that's where you'll recognize him from but he's got such a quality of voice and I I always when I hear the last name right, it makes me automatically think of this comedian and I cannot think of his name but that's not important because he wasn't the guy. <laughs> uh, and
0: then again you've got Francis McDormand who's been in what just about every single uh <clears throat> Coen brothers movie it seems like and Battlestar Galactica. I don't
4: think I've seen any Coen movies that I can think of and I didn't oh. I didn't watch the new Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> it's on my list of things to do. Uh let's see, have you seen Sneakers? Nope. With
0: Robert Redford. Nope.
4: Um, oh, Didn't on. see Fargo. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, you
0: know, raising... Uh, wait, what? Oh, yeah, she's in Raising Arizona. Um, who is she
4: in Raising Arizona? I did see that one.
0: She is the... You know, they've got a, a friend who's a couple that's got a bunch of kids.
4: Uh, the only group that I remember having a bunch of kids was the Rich family.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't the Rich family, but uh, he, he had a guy that he worked with that invited hi and his wife to come out with the baby and 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 they kind of put two and two together and figure out where the baby came from but oh well you know we're 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 going off topic
4: (laughs) yeah that was a watch racing Arizona
0: it's a good movie
4: Yeah, Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long (laughs) long time that's one of those just weird great movies that it's it's so bizarre that it's great Mm. apparently though she was also in Transformers Dark of the Moon uh you know that's
0: one of the Transformer movies that I really have chosen not to watch all that much.
4: I actually kind of liked that one. It was it was it was interesting. It was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you ranked all the Transformers movies, that's one of the two that's worth watching. Mm. The first one was still kind of worth watching just because it was like, oh, this is cool. It's Transformers." But, anyways, mm-hmm. we digress. Yeah. Um, and and Arlo, of course, voiced by Raymond Ochoa which I'm not familiar with any of his work. He's still a, a very young boy, uh, so I'm sure we'll be seeing more of him later. He did a really good job. Oh, definitely. He carried the movie. Yeah, and he really had to because he was interacting with a uh, a character most of the time, a little spot there who went by a system of grunts and howls. Mm-hmm. So he really doesn't get a, a lot to do. But he has, by the way, uh, voiced Jash Parr for Disney Infinity. Oh, okay. So, his voice, yeah, I thought it sounded a little familiar, but, t- so there you go. He was also, he's done some work with Monsters Incorpor- or Monsters University, he did uh, some various children's voices, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the background, so, he's done some work with Disney before, even in Mar- the Mars Needs Moms, which I think I did see once, and I actually thought it was pretty good.
0: That's one more time than I've seen it.
4: Yeah, I think I did watch it one time because it's it's one of the movies that's it's better than anyone gives it credit. But I think a lot of people were creeped out by I think it was uh, Amagi or something like that was the company that did like Christmas Carol and stuff like that, where they it's it's they do such good photo of the actors that it's to a lot of people it just creeps them out when they see the animation because it's mm-hmm. just too real. Uh, it doesn't bother me, and in fact, I really enjoyed uh, the Disney's Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. So do have the Blu-ray of that one. But yeah, so he's done some work with Disney before. But anyways, that's some of our, our actors, at least from the, uh, main, the main family unit. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, one of the voices that stuck out to me immediately was that of Steve Zahn.
4: <laughs> well, that's getting outside the family. Yes, yeah, Steve Zahn. <laughs> uh, and I think this may be the first time he's ever played a villain. Uh, uh, I can't think of any other time. Well,
0: you know, there there was Saving Silverman, where he kind of is. Uh, eh, that's another story in and that's of an, itself. Yeah,
4: not very family <laughs> friendly. That movie, no. Although it does have some really great funny stuff when you know Neil Diamond's in there. But anyway, um, but yeah, Steve but, Zahn. But, yeah, but but
0: still, even as a villain, it's still a very Steve Zahnish character.
4: Yeah, and I, I don't know if I want to name the character because when you first meet him, you don't realize he's a villain
0: yeah certainly not. certainly not. but I, I love his uh, his uh, how he came to his way of thinking though.
4: yeah, yeah <laughs> it's very interesting. It's, it's like this weird, almost cultish thing. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get into too far on about the movie, though we should probably talk a little bit about the production. Uh, oh, definitely. Because this had an interesting history. I mean, this movie has been in the works for a very long time, and it's one of the movies uh, from from things I was hearing from various. You know, if you if you listen to a Disney podcasts for the last, you know, golly, ten years, this movie has been brought up at D 23s and stuff like that, and it sounded like it was coming, and then it sounded like it was on hold, and then maybe they just weren't going to do it, and then it came back, and you just never knew where it was going. I mean, at one point, uh, they just had to stop because the story just wasn't working.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that, that's Pixar's hallmark, is if, if there's one thing that they're going to get right, it's the story. Right. And, you know, they've, they will cancel movies if the story just isn't there. I mean, within recent history, we can take a look at Newt, where they had to cancel the production of that film. Yeah. Uh, the story just wasn't coming along, and unfortunately, there were a couple other movies that had very similar plots and, and, and similar story threads going on. Um, but uh with this it, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's it's kind of bittersweet uh that it had to stop, uh because the uh director at the time, the one leading the story yeah, Bob was Bob Peterson, yeah. who is a very big part of Pixar. Oh indeed. Um, you know, and uh He's you know, always he-
4: watching you.
0: <laughs> to to say the least, but you know, he he loves you. <laughs>
4: He has just missed you and he already loves you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are two of his characters. Uh, yep. yeah, you know, and and it's not that he's a voice artist. He's one of the story men, for Pixar. Um and unfortunately they come to love the voices that he gives to the characters, like uh like Doug and Up and And Roz and the Monsters movie. Exactly. And and they'll keep them and go along with it. But you know, they've done they did that with Joe Rampt, um, They've done that with Bud Lucky and Incredibles. Uh, they even did it
4: uh, in the... Uh, I, know I can't think of his name. The guy who directed The Incredibles. Um,
0: yeah, Brad Bird. Brad Bird Edna
4: actually was... Um, oh, golly. Edna Mode. Edna Mode. My goodness, my brain's right out yes, the Yes, darling. And yes, it was all from storyboard <laughs> meetings where he would do a little voice for the character when going through story, and they just loved what he was doing so much that they knew everybody else would, too. And they were right. We absolutely mm-hmm. love those voices. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, um, but again... Story is
0: king at Pixar. Right. That's you know, that's what they work on. That's what they do, and that's really why their movies are the way they are. Is because they focus on that story.
4: They focus on the plot. They find those emotional beats. Boy, do they! they do oh yeah. <laughs> I actually read a description in the local newspaper here that uh, described the Good Dinosaur as an emotional assault.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know, but but. With removing Bob Peterson and and change of the story, I mean, it was so drastic that the story, not only did the story change, but the entire cast changed.
4: Yeah, because originally they had, like, Lucas Neff and John Lithgow and Neil Patrick Harris and Judy Grill and Bill Hader all in there. And only, you know, Frances McDormand was in there from the beginning, and she's the only one who stayed. Everybody mm-hmm. else was eventually changed. And apparently it also had something to do with the third act is where it just kept hitting a wall and just wasn't right. quite... Getting where they wanted it to go mm-hmm. But uh, I'm pretty sure they kept some of Bob Peterson's ideas But Because uh, Peter Stone Peter had been working with him And, and by the way, Peter Stone is basically uh, the face for Russell uh, <laughs> From Up From Up, yes, if you get a good look at his face You can see Russell is right there uh, He's also done a few extra voices He was uh, the voice of Emil in Ratatouille And also the voice of Squishy in Monsters University Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, he had been working with Bob Peterson on this And uh, I believe he stuck around Even when Bob Peterson stepped away from the project I think he's the one who finished the direction of it Yep And
0: and you know, even Peterson has a uh, voice in the movie
4: Oh, yes he did I, And I forgot to look that up myself Oh yes, he's Forrest Woodbush
0: Exactly And, and all, I've only got three words as far as Forrest Woodbush goes Dream Slayer and debbie <laughs> exactly <laughs>
3: i, I name don't want give away
4: anything more <laughs> yeah uh very very short appearance character, but definitely a lot of fun. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and who'd have thought Debbie was so frightening? <laughs> really, <laughs> a very unexpected little bit. Because there is not a lot of comedy in this movie, but when there is some funny stuff, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely one of the parts.
0: Oh, certainly. And and you know, while it does have its share of comedy, this this is very much a drama. Um, there's you know,
4: it's it's a coming-of-age story for Arlo. Yes, it is. And uh, you don't realize it until about halfway through, but you're watching a western. Yes,
0: yes. And uh, you get some very western aspects of it. Yeah, it
4: longer. really steps in about halfway. But when you get there, that's when I started to think back, wow, you know, if you if you thought of Arlo's family as being some settlers and pioneers who were farming this area... Uh, then it just moves right along when you when he meets up with some certain characters that are. Uh, I mean, let's face it. All I got to do is tell you Sam Elliott is voicing this <laughs> character named Butch, who is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Mm-hmm. For those who know Sam Elliott, if you uh, you you get it automatically. That makes it a western when he mm-hmm. starts voicing. For those of you who don't know, uh, go watch Tombstone. He's in that. Also, those old beef. It's what's for dinner. You know, he used to do those all the time. But he was also in. Um, Not the Incredible Hulk, but Hulk, he was General Ross. Mm -hmm. And although I do love, um, oh, the guy who's playing General Ross and actually gets to come back and play General Ross here in Civil War. William Hurt. I think he's very good, and he's really done a pretty good job with the character. I really like what he did in the Incredible Hulk. To me, it's just not Sam Elliott, just because I love Sam Elliott. (laughs) I would love for him to be able to come back and play General Ross. But you know what? William Hurt is great, and I am happy to see him... In the Civil War coming up, it's going to be awesome.
0: Well, you know, if you if you want to see him in another Marvel movie, there's always Ghost Rider. Yes, that's right. <laughs> then Ghost again, Rider. it's Ghost Rider. <laughs> but I liked
4: the first one; I thought it was fun.
0: It is. It's it's one of those. It's one of the few Marvel
4: movies that aren't part of the cinematic universe that right. I've got. That, yeah, I actually went and bought it. I watched it for Halloween because it's it's a perfect movie for that time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But uh, you
0: know, let's. But you can't talk about the dinosaurs without or the tyrannosaurs without, you know, really talking about, you know, what their effect is on Arlo.
4: Oh yeah, because this the fun thing with this movie is it, okay, yes, it's dinosaurs, but this dinosaur's not doing what you expect. Because this is a completely fantasy, which is something uh, you know, I'm I'm going to jump this in real quick. I actually mm-hmm. found a review from Forbes where their main complaint is that it doesn't line up with the theory of evolution very well. because even with the asteroid mist, things wouldn't evolve this way. It's a movie. It's fantasy. Suspension of belief. It's a cartoon. (laughs) Get over it, guy. But that is their big complaint, really? Uh, To me, you know, whatever evolution stuff set aside, I am not that concerned about the evolutionary aspects of it. Uh, It's the concept of that it's been all this time, the dinosaurs aren't wiped out, but they've developed... A different sort of society where herbivores are farmers they're going to go and raise their own crops because they know that's what they need and they found out and developed the tools and ways to do it and carnivores are becoming ranchers because they realize oh well we need meat it'd be easier if we just raised our own supply right so you find these tyrannosaurs that are out on a cattle drive <laughs> i love and it I, I
0: love the way that they run
4: yes like horses <laughs> It was so cool. I was, I almost wanted to stand up and cheer because I was like, because the music even kind of changed tone just a little bit to where you were like, that's when I was like, this is totally a Western. And even the environments, even although they were still near the environment where you'd seen before, they, you started seeing some of that Arizona style, New New Mexico type of backdrops you see in all those old great Westerns. Mm
3: -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. like, a little bit of Monument
4: Valley type. Oh, yeah, a little bit of Monument Valley, and, uh, and heck, even the stuff where Arlo came from. You, you had, was telling me earlier, it actually looked like some of the areas you grew up over there. Oh, exactly.
0: Um, Pixar has been very open that uh, part of their inspiration for the setting of this is uh, western Colorado, western uh, Montana, and the Grand Teton Range. Um, those peaks make up what they call
4: uh, Clawtooth Peak, uh-huh. And it's just absolutely beautiful and stunning with how they've managed to animate and make this so real. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've got to tell you, watching the movie,
0: I felt at home because that is my home. That's <laughs> that's where I grew up. That was, you know, a couple hours down the road. That's where we went camping. <laughs> so it,
4: it's very much um, a big part of, of my life and my background. So, yeah. My goodness. Well, did it remind you of you coming of age Did you have to go on some sort of an epic journey to... To find your courage. Um, I went rafting down the Salmon River once. <laughs> there you go. Follow the river. It will always lead you home.
0: <laughs> but but definitely the Jackson Valley was a big influence um, <laughs> on how they uh, put it together. In fact, in, in order to use the landscapes and, and to put the computer power behind it to make the landscape as uh, impressive as it was, they actually went to the US geological survey and got satellite images from Google Earth and used that as their topographic map. Wow. For the backgrounds. That's impressive. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible. That must um, be why it looks so
4: real cuz they use <laughs> real world stuff to do it cuz so amazing.
0: Oh, well, and it's real
4: world stuff as it is today. Yeah. I kind of wonder if they're meaning to have it set like it was happening today, only the world's different. Mm-hmm. You know who, who knows to say what, where we're supposed to be at. All you know is that the humans, when you first see them, are more like wolves in their behavior. Mm-hmm. Or at least when you meet up with Spot, um, I don't want to give away too much, but you will find some other humans and you do see the ability to, to walk upright. Mm-hmm. So it is very interesting that you do see that But uh, the nice thing is a lot of these side characters that, that don't have a huge amount to do with the plot Like uh, like Buck, uh, Arlo's brother, and his sister Libby Have a very interesting you know quirk about them Of, of their personality That you you think is going to somehow or another come into play In the main plot Because it seems that well developed But really doesn't have anything to do with the main plot They're just fully developed characters Right, once once the first act is uh, done Um they're not really around. Yeah, you won't see him again till the end. Right. The most underdeveloped character is probably Mama. <laughs> Could be. Could be. She didn't She didn't give a whole lot. Because she didn't even, her and Mama and Papa don't really even have names, except for I thought I heard, and I don't want to give away too much of the ending, but I have been reading in reviews that everybody's found this to be predictable, because you know it's going to have at least some sort of a good ending. Mm-hmm. But I can swear when Arlo comes back that Mama looks up and says, Henry? Thinking it might be Papa. I think that I think I heard that. I might be nuts, but I thought that she called him that, so maybe that's the name. But I'm not sure. Somebody who watched that, let me know what you think. If that was, yeah, you know, her maybe kind of looking because I think it was trying to get across that Arlo has greatly changed on his journey that he's been on, and he's a whole new dinosaur because he does go through a, a big growing up and underdog type mm-hmm. of thing. You, you know, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm remembering
0: that. Uh you know, part of the inspiration for this movie is Shane. Never the seen the movie it. Shane. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I'm now thinking maybe I need to go back and revisit that um, because there's there's there if I remember right, and it's been oh well over 20 years since I last saw Shane. So, uh, but I think that there's some uh, similar story threads going along there uh, with coming of age.
4: Well, yeah, a lot of coming of age has a lot of similar themes. There's usually that one big lesson that they have to learn, and then finally, then to have to be tested on how well they've learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. And usually, they're challenged with the thing that they seem to fear the most. Right, and which is definitely the case with the Good Dinosaur. Oh yes, because there's definitely something hits you know, and I don't, I don't want to give away too many plot things, but there's something that definitely that Arlo is deathly afraid of, and he keeps having to face these fears until a final test where he faces it all. And really comes out well. Grown up. Well, I don't want to. I really want to be careful and not give away a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I love the interaction between uh, Arlo and and Spot because mm-hmm. uh, it is it is a great buddy movie going on there. Because really, when you have that, that first meeting, Arlo really doesn't like Spot, and I don't want to say why because I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> but Arlo hates him. But, well, well, and, and here, well, and here's another comparison for you, Old
0: Yeller. Which I still haven't seen. Oh, because okay. I know it
4: ends <laughs> bad, so I don't want to watch it.
0: But you know what? the 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 introduction of Old Yeller is very much like the introduction of Spot. Okay. <laughs> so you know jeremy we're
4: going to have to get you to see some of these older movies i know i've avoided <laughs> that one just because i heard the ending i'm like oh no, no i'm sorry i don't want to have to get tugged at my heartstrings that bad and cry you well know. in
0: my family that's called the sad puppy dog movie <laughs>
4: yeah and it's already enough whenever you go to a pixar movie you know what's coming it's you know it. they're gonna play with you and there's really a great scene where they pixar you to death Have a great, very great bonding scene between Arlo and Spot, having to do with missing their family. And I've seen a little bit in a trailer. But when you have the whole thing done out... And when the arc is over. Wow. Yeah. You're in. You are invested in these characters. You understand them. And uh, I think I can talk about this without... Giving away too much But this is something you'll understand That I kind of wanted to see happen I wanted uh, Spot Stick to be put, picked up And moved to the other circle mm. During that somewhere mm-hmm. You'll understand that People who view the movie will understand what I'm talking about I kind of expected some sort of gesture like that Didn't happen though Right But there is something towards the end of the movie That that relates right back to it That was really, really good mm-hmm. uh, And even if you stay till the very end of the credits which, I did you? Did you stay to the end? You know, I didn't. Oh, at the very end of the credits, there's a big thank you to the entire Pixar family. And, uh, well, I'll just say a big circle is drawn around oh. it. Oh. And like a dirt circle suddenly just gets drawn mm-hmm. in. And I was like, oh, there you go. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. It was great. But I, I don't want to touch on that scene too much because we'll give away <laughs> too much. But it's a really good scene, a really good bonding, and you know they're in it together and they make a fantastic team through all kinds of adventures. Uh, a lot of dangerous stuff. There was one of the things I kind of wondered when I was watching. Um, definitely, I think you could bring a younger kid than what would understand Inside Out. Inside Out, I think, was definitely preteen, would really get more out of that film. Uh, but this one, it could be a little scary, a little stressful at times for some of the really little younger kids. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my
0: uh, four-year-old. Uh, this is one of the first movies that she has just sat all the way through. She hasn't had to get up. Uh, she, she, you know, she is actually more afraid of the uh, <coughs> short before um, hmm. the short that we that was shown before. Yeah, Sanjay Bigger Super Dinosaur. Team. Yeah, which I loved. I thought that was wonderful.
4: That was very fun, and I like that it was pulled from uh, somebody's mostly true story in their childhood. uh, The director of the writer of that little short,
0: and and I like that they pointed out it was mostly true.
4: Mostly true. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, the stuff in his imagination, you know. But it really uh, – the short does give you a really great – another good family theme. And I, I like I, – I don't want to give away what the, 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 the overall theme of it is because people should just go watch it. Right. Uh, but it fit right in with this because having that nice family sort of theme going on. And I, it was a nice departure I think because I got – you know it started to get like I felt like I was seeing the same thing over and over again between Pixar and Disney shorts ever since Paper Man. It seemed like we had the same theme, just the uh, same story being told but in a different way between Paper Man, The Blue Umbrella, uh, Lava, Feast. and Feast, yes, which I love all of those shorts. Oh, yeah. But it felt like it was the same theme over and over. I'm like, okay, Pixar is usually pretty creative of doing different things, and here we are back to that Pixar giving us a completely different perspective on something uh, it, it, was very, it was very cultural type of uh, short. Um, I don't know what if I want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away about the short, but it was a lot of fun, and it's, but it's a meeting of two worlds, really, in a lot of ways. And, mm-hmm. and great bonding. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And stunning animation.
0: Oh, very much wow. so. Very good. And, 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 again, getting to cinematography and lighting and, you know, even shell say, yes, cell shading. Oh, yeah. Um, that, uh, if you like the look of, say, um, uh, Legend of Zelda, Legend of the Wind Waker, yeah. yeah.
4: It, it, there are parts of it that have that style to yeah. it. Yeah, except for more Pixar style, so it's oh, looked better. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very cool. So it's a perfect precursor for this movie because it, it, there's a lot of good um, father-son moment stuff here. And, mm-hmm. uh, of, in fact, even the good dinosaur has a great Mufasa moment. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs>
0: I do. I got the feels right now.
4: <laughs> yeah, because that was a really, really great scene, uh, which I think there may have... I, I, I don't want to get in too far, but I think there may have been some... Uh, uh, Supposition that maybe if he had, fo- I, I, how am I going to say this? If he had followed, he had been crossing over
6: mm-hmm.
4: instead of stopping, making a decision, and then coming back. Right. You know? Like giving the last bit of advice, getting his last bit of Mufasa before stepping up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. had like a choice to say, "I can lay down and that's it," or "We can go." And I Mm -hmm. think I've based around it enough, right? (laughs) Well, you know, I I do want to say,
0: though, um, based upon the trailers, you know that Arlo is going on this journey after that event in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that that event was going to lead directly to the journey. And it does, but it's not as direct as what I was led to believe.
4: Yeah, it it, uh, it took a different kind of turn. Yeah, I,
0: I, I was thinking, you know, and and okay, comparing a dinosaur movie to a dinosaur movie, I thought that it was going to be much more like uh, Land
4: Before Time, exactly, <laughs>
0: where Littlefoot's family um, gets separated from him and he starts out on his journey. And it's not that way for Arlo. Yeah, there's
4: there's a passage of time there. Yes, there is, and it's it, he's got his own journey he needs to take. Exactly. He needs to make his mark. He needs to make his mark, and he kind of accidentally begins it. He, you know, it's it's an oops. Now I'm on this journey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, finding his way back home and to make his mark, which you know, uh, you guess just have to figure he had to relate the story to his family in order to uh, make his mark. Right. So he could tell, and say, well, you know, not not everything that led him to what happened. But he but he would just have to tell the the most recent thing where he overcame this this big trial at the end. That's where he really made his mark and showed his stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So, but yeah, you'll get you'll when you see the movie, you'll understand the making his mark and the the physical and the uh, more mental overall thing of making your mark in the world and. A lot of good stuff in there. (laughs) Mm. Oh, definitely.
3: Tiptoe, tiptoe, tiptoe.
0: I've got a a couple questions for you about it, though. Uh oh. We know in every Pixar movie, there is the Pizza Planet truck, Mm -hmm. and there is the young children coming in to uh, interact. If you can hear that. Yes. Now, um, there's there's the Pixar or the Pizza Planet truck, Mm -hmm. and you've also got. john ratzenberger yeah so where were they in this did not come across them i did not ever notice okay well i can answer one of them john ratzenberger is let's see i don't know if i want to give his character away but he is involved in the rustling scene oh he, he was one of the rustlers. yes did not catch him and I didn't, I didn't recognize his voice. It's only by looking at the cast list afterwards uh, that I found out which character he played. But yeah, he's there. He's definitely there, and he does have a line. Well,
4: good. So now we just need to figure out where that Pixar Planet Truck is. Yeah, and any other little Easter eggs that they snuck in there. Like an A113. Yeah. Because there really isn't any text or anything anywhere in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there isn't.
0: Um, you know, my guess is they might have something up in the cl- landscape. Yeah, they that could have done something to in it. Or, yeah, you know, and and they also make references to their previous films and to their upcoming films. So mm-hmm. there definitely was a lot of water. Their next movie is Finding Dory, so there you go. Yeah, there's got to be something water something related in the there water.
4: Water. <laughs> to, to tie it to Finding Dory. So uh, it could be. Who knows? Maybe in one of the lightning flashes, there was an A one one three that was somewhere. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Or some fallen logs. <laughs> could be. Uh, but overall, what was your impression? Good, you know, um, oh, it, you know, it's Pixar.
0: You know, Pixar's always going to be top notch in my book. And uh, you know, while I wouldn't rate this quite as high as some of my favorite Pixar movies, it's still high up there.
4: Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. It wasn't their greatest movie they've ever done, but you know, even Pixar's worst movie is better than most of anything you've seen. Exactly. And this is exactly. definitely not one of Pixar's worst. This is definitely Pixar doing good. Mm-hmm. They're being yep. Pixar,
0: <laughs> exactly. There, the there's true heart to the story. Mm-hmm. The visuals are just amazing. Oh my gosh! And their their
4: voice acting, their cast is is perfectly suited to their roles. Yep, especially Sam Elliott. I loved his character. Well that might just be because I love Sam Elliott. He's just awesome in everything he does, pretty much. <laughs> even Roadhouse, even though that movie's awful, but oh, Sam Elliott's hey, awesome. <laughs> hey, even even the Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, and that is what we think of the good dinosaur.
6: To Disney and beyond. Oh! long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships, striking from a hidden base, have won their first victory against the evil galactic empire. During the battle rebel spies manage to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agent, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. But Princess Leia's cruiser is no match for the warship, which swiftly overtakes her vessel. In moments, Imperial stormtroopers invade the rebel craft with a blaze of laser weapons.
1: They shut down the main reactor. We'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. We're doomed. There'll be no escape for the princess this time.
6: C. Threepio, a bronze, human like robot, frantically searches the battle toy ship for R2 D2, his stubby mechanical friend. But at that moment, not far away, a desperate Princess Leah hurriedly programs the little robot with secret information. Secret information that could save the rebel cause. Then she disappears into the smoke filled corridor as Threepio appears. At last!
1: Where have you been? <laughs> They're heading in this direction. What are we going to do? We'll be sent to the spice
6: mines of Kessel or smashed into who knows what. But R2D2 is already scooting down the sub hallway, emitting a series of mechanical beeps and chirps that only Tritio can understand. He is nearing a small metal module, the Rebel cruiser's escape pod.
1: Hey, you're not permitted in there, it's restricted. You'll be deactivated ashore. Don't you call me a mindless philosopher, you overweight blob of grease Now come out before somebody sees you Secret mission? What plans? What are you talking about? I'm not getting in there oh, no I'm
6: going to regret this As the robots escape in the pod, a dark presence enters the ship The ominous commander of the Imperial forces, Darth Vader Tall and threatening in his black helmet Blowing black cape and a face forever masked by a foreboding metal breath screen. Darth Vader, a figure who moves forever in a cloud of awesome evil. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? Vader grips the Rebel's throat.
5: We intercepted those no transmissions? Uh, uh, this is a consular ship, Diplomatic mission? If
6: this is a consular ship, where is the ambassador? Commander, tear the ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Princess Leah is discovered by Vader's stormtroopers.
5: There's one set for stun.
6: Princess Leia is taken before Darth Vader for questioning.
1: Darth Vader, only you could be
6: so bold.
1: The Imperial Senate will not still for this. When they hear you've attacked a diplomatic... don't act
6: so surprised, Your Highness. You weren't on any mercy mission this time. Several transmissions
5: were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. I want to know what happened to the plans they
1: sent you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take her away,
6: Lord Vader. The battle station plans are not aboard this ship, and no transmissions were made.
5: An <laughs> escape pod was jettisoned during the fighting, but no life forms were aboard. She must have
1: hidden the plans in the escape pod. Send a detachment down to retrieve them. See to it personally, Commander. There will be no one to stop us this time. Yes, sir.
6: The robot's escape pod lands in the middle of a vast desert on the remote planet of Tatooine. They escape the Imperial forces, but soon face stranger foes Jawas. Small, yellow eyed creatures wearing heavy cloaks with hoods scurry like rodents behind the rocks. The greedy little scavengers capture the hapless droids and place them aboard a Gantan transport vehicle.
3: We're doomed.
1: Do you think your so, will melt us down?
6: Meanwhile, Imperial troops discover the abandoned escape pod and begin a relentless hunt for the droids. Someone was in the pod. The tracks go off in this direction. As the troops are searching for the droids, the Java scrap dealers stop near the small farm homestead of Owen Lars. The burly farmer and his young nephew, Luke Skywalker, inspect the robots for sale, especially r 2 2 and 3 p
1: What I really need is a droid who understands the binary language of moisture evaporators. Vaporators? Sir, my first job was programming binary load lifters. Very similar to your evaporators in most respects. Can you speak, Bocce? Of course I can, sir. It's like a second language to me. I'm a squinting. All right, shut up. I'll take this. Shut up, sir. Uncle <whistles> Owen? Yeah? What about that one? What about that blue one? We'll take that one. I'm <whistles> a Yes. I'm quite he sure you'll be very pleased with that one, Sam. He really is in first-class condition I've worked with him
3: before Here he comes
6: Okay, let's go Luke takes the two robots into the homestead's garage for repairs
1: Oh, well, my little friend Got something jammed in here real good Were you on a star, Cruiser? A... or Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi You're my only hope What's this?
6: A three-dimensional likeness of Princess Leia appears in mid-air, projected by R2-D2. Help me,
1: Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope.
6: Who is she? She's beautiful. I'm afraid. I'm
1: not quite sure, help sir. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Please. He says that he is the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a resident of these parts, and it's a private message for him. <coughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. I beg your pardon, sir. But do you know what he's talking about? Well, I don't know anyone named Obi Wan, but Old Ben lives out beyond the Dune Sea. He's kind of a strange old hermit. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, Who she you. is? Wait a minute. Where'd she go? Bring her back. Play back the entire message. What message? What? The one you've just been playing. The one you're carrying inside your rusty innards. Nope. Nope. All right, I'll be right there, Aunt Peru. I'm sorry, sir, but he appears to have picked up a slight flutter. Here, see what you can do with him. I'll be right back. Just you reconsider playing that message for him. No, I don't think he likes you at all. No, I don't like you either.
6: Luke returns after his midday meal to discover that the little robot has gone off in search of Obi-Wan Kenobi. How could I be so stupid?
1: He's nowhere in sight. Pardon me, sir, but wouldn't we go after him...
6: Luke and Rupio race above the desert sands in the battered land speeder. Soon, they overtake the waddling droid.
1: Hey, whoa, just where do you think you're going?
6: But before they can get r 2 d to aboard the land speeder...
1: What's wrong with them now? There are several creatures approaching from the southeast. The sand people. Worse. Come on, let's go have a look. Well, there are two Banthas down there, but I don't see any... Wait a second. They're sand people, all right. I can see one of them now.
6: The fierce, marginally human creature presses a surprise attack, and in the face of sudden danger, Luke is knocked to the ground. R2-D2 dutifully stands guard over Luke's inert body as the sand people ransack the speeder, but they are startled by the presence of a hooded and cloaked figure approaching over the dunes, and they flee. Luke opens his eyes as the old man bends over him.
5: Tell me, young Luke, what brings you out this far?
1: Oh, this little droid. Uh, he claims to be the property of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think my uncle knows him. He said he was dead. Oh, he's not dead. Not yet.
6: Well, you know him. Well, of course I know him. He's me. Ben hurries the group into the safety of his small desert house. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was
5: once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. I wish I'd known him. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. I understand you've become quite a good pilot yourself. And he was a good friend. Which reminds me. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough. But your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? Your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic, before the dark times, before the empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? Now the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, and penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. Now, oh, let's see if we can't figure out what you are, my little friend. And where you come from. I saw part of the message. I seem to have found it.
6: The image of Princess Leah again appears, projected into space.
1: General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan is failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of the R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope.
6: Ben urges young Luke to join him in rescuing the Princess, but Luke hesitates, for Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru need him at home.
1: Look, I can take you as far as Anchor. You can get a transport there to precisely or wherever you're going you must do what you feel is
6: right of course while taking ben to the spaceport luke's land comes upon a gruesome scene the jawa sand is devastated and the bodies of slain jawas litter the hot sand ben realizes it is the work of imperial stormtroopers who are searching for the missing robots.
1: If they traced the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home. Oh, wait, Luke. It's too dangerous.
6: But Luke is already in the land speed event, zooming toward home. There, he makes a shattering discovery. The homestead is now a smoking ruin. And worse, he finds the smoldering bodies of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. He returns to Ben with a shocking news.
5: There's nothing you could have done, Luke,
6: had you been there
5: you'd have been killed too and the droids would now be in the hands of the Empire
1: I come with you to Alderaan there's nothing for me here now I want to learn the ways of the force and become a Jedi like my father
6: Luke, Van and the two droids leave the sad scene of destruction and make their way to Moss Eisley Spaceport
5: eisley Spaceport. You will never find the more wretched hive
6: of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. (laughs) Luke follows Ben into a murky, smoke-filled den serving an incredible array of weird and exotic aliens, monsters and disreputable humans, one-eyed, Thousand eyes, slimy, furry, scaly tentacles and claws are huddled over drinks. Ben moves through the dingy room in search of a likely star pilot, while Luke edges up to the long metallic bar. A strange multi-eyed creature and his surly human sidekick approach Luke.
5: He doesn't like you. Sorry. I don't like you either. You just watch yourself. We're wanted men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. I'll be careful. You'll be dead. This little one's not worth the effort. Come, let me get you something.
6: With one skillful stroke of his lightsaber, Ben slashes the deadly creature. Ben moves on to the business at hand. I'm all right. Chewbacca his is first mate on a ship that might suit us. Ben introduces Luke to an eight-foot-tall, 200-year-old Wookiee
3: who communicates
6: in a series of grunts and growls. The Wookiee leads them to his captain, a 30-year-old starship smuggler, Han Solo. Han Solo, I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewy here tells me you're looking
0: for
5: passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs.
6: I've outrun Imperial starships. Not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Corillian ships now. She's fast enough for you, old man.
5: We can pay you 2,000 miles, plus... Fifteen when we reach Alderaan. Seventeen, huh? Okay, you guys got yourselves a ship. We'll leave as soon as you're ready. Docking Bay 94.
6: Ninety-four. But Alderaan is also the destination of those with a darker purpose. Tarkin and Vader have decided that a demonstration of the full destructive power of the Death Star may persuade the princess to cooperate. Meanwhile... Ben's group has reassembled at a Mos Eisley docking bay to board the Millennium Falcon. What a piece of junk. She'll make 0.5 past light speed. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. I've made a lot of special modifications myself. But
5: we're a little rushed, so if you'll just get on board, we'll get out of here.
3: well <laughs>
6: But the Imperial stormtroopers have tracked the robots to the spaceport.
3: Stop that ship! Blast
6: them! Han Solo and Chewie exchange blasting laser fire with the troops as the others board the Falcon. Chewie, get us
1: out of here! Oh, I've I forgotten how much I hate space travel. Cruiser, our passengers must be cutter, and I thought. Try and hold them off, angle the deflector shield while I make the calculations for the
0: jump to light
1: speed. Stay sharp, there's two more coming in. They're gonna try and cut us off. Why do not you outrun them? I thought you said this thing was fast.
6: Watch your mouth, kid, you're gonna find yourself floating home. We'll be safe enough once we make the jump to hyperspace. Besides, I know a few maneuvers, we'll lose them. Yes. How long before you can make the jump to light speed?
1: Take a few moments to get the coordinates from the NAVA computer. You kidding? They're
3: right there, game!
6: Traveling through hyperspacing like dust and crops, boy. Without precise calculations, we'd fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova and that it injured real quick, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: What's that flashing? The deflector shield. Don't trap yourselves in. I'm gonna make the jump to light speed.
6: The Millennium Falcon has leaped to light speed and safety. But the object of its mission, Princess Leia, is in grave danger aboard the Death Star. Tarkin attempts to force the information from her with a terrible threat.
5: Princess Leia, before your execution, I would like you to be my guest at a ceremony that will make this battle station operational. Since you are reluctant to provide us with the location of the Rebel base, I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderan.
1: No. Ah. Alderaan is peaceful. We have no weapons. You can't You will possibly.
5: prefer another target, a military target, then name the system. I grew tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the rebel base?
1: Dantooine. They're on Dantooine there.
5: You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. What? You're far too trust. Dantoine is too remote to make an effective demonstration, but don't worry. We will deal with your rebel friends soon enough. No.
6: Commence primary ignition. <laughs> The awesome power of the battle station's lasers instantly reduces the planet of Alderaan to pulverized space dust. A cataclysmic disaster that Ben Kenobi can sense even from far away aboard the Millennium Falcon.
1: Are you all right? What's wrong?
5: I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. You better get on with
6: your exercises. Luke continues practicing with his Jedi lightsaber. He tries to strike a small metallic ball which maneuvers illusively. Luke cannot make contact.
5: Remember, a Jedi can feel the force flowing through him. You mean he controls
1: your actions? Partially,
5: but it also obeys your commands. Shh this time let go your conscious self and act on instinct
1: (laughs) with the blast shield down i can't even see how am i supposed to fight your eyes can deceive you
5: don't trust them stretch out with your feelings
6: luke assumes a frozen stance and the remote target Mm. makes another pass luke Deflect the bolts with swift strokes of the thing. You see? You can do it. Looks like we're coming up on Alderaan.
1: You know, I did feel something.
6: I could almost see the remote. That's good. You've taken your first step into a larger world. But aboard the Death Star battle station, Princess Leia may be a step closer to execution. Yes? Our scout ships have reached onto it. They
5: found the remains of a rebel base, but they estimate that it has been deserted for some time. She lied.
6: She lied to us. I told you she would never consciously betray the rebellion. Terminate her immediately. Meanwhile, the Millennium Falcon comes out of hyperspace near the coordinates where Alderaan once existed. But Solo and the others are in for a shock. by, Chewie, here we go. Cutting the sublight engines.
5: What
1: the... We come out of hyperspace into a meteor shower, some kind of asteroid collision. not on any of the charts. What's going
3: on?
5: Our position's correct, except no Alderaan.
1: What do you mean? Where is it? That's what I'm trying to tell you, kid. It ain't there. It's been totally blown away. What How?
5: Destroyed by the Empire. The entire Starfleet couldn't destroy the whole planet. It'd take a thousand ships with more firepower than I have
4: there's another
1: ship coming in. Look at him, he's heading for that small moon. I think I can get him before he gets there. He's almost in range.
5: That's no moon. It's a space station.
1: Why are we still moving towards it? we uh, uh, got that's pulling us in. But there's gotta be something you can do. There's nothing I can do about it, kid. I'm full power, I'm gonna have to shut down. They're not
6: gonna
5: get me without a fight. You can't win. But there are alternatives to fighting.
6: As the helpless pirate ship is pulled steadily toward the evil metal moon, Solo and his passengers hide in cleverly concealed smuggling compartments. The immense size of the battle station is staggering. And the mile-high docking port doors yawn slowly open. Clear bay 327. We're opening the magnetic field.
5: trying to return the stolen
6: plans to the Princess. She may yet be of some use to us. Unlock. One, five, seven, and nine. Release
3: charge. Three, one, six, report to control.
1: There's no one on board, sir. According to the log, the crew abandoned ship right after takeoff.
0: Send a scanning crew aboard. I want every part of this ship kept. Yes, sir. Oh,
5: I sent something.
6: Presence I have not felt since. Solo and his passengers cautiously emerge from the Millennium Falcon. They quickly overcome two troopers standing guard and steal their uniforms. Luke and Han Solo enter the corridor dressed as Imperial stormtroopers. The robots lead them to one of the battle station's systems control terminals. We
1: found the computer outlet, sir.
5: Plug in. He should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network.
1: He says he's found the main controls to the power beam that's holding the ship here. A power loss at one of the terminals will allow the ship to leave.
5: I don't think you boys can help. I must go alone. Your destiny lies along a different path from mine.
6: The Force will be with you. Always. As Ben leaves, Artu 2 discovers a staggering piece of information. Princess Leah is being held in the Death charge detention block. And 3 interpretation ends on a chilling note. I'm afraid she's scheduled to be
1: terminated. Oh, no. Better her than me. She's rich. Rich? Mm-hmm. Rich, powerful. Listen, if you were to rescue her, the reward would be... What? Well, more wealth than you can imagine.
6: I don't know. I can imagine quite a bit. You'll get it. But better Still in troopers' uniforms, Luke and Han move to the detention center, with Chewbacca posing as a prisoner. Once inside, they overpower the guard and begin their search for the princess.
0: we got to find out which cell this princess of yours is in. Here it is.
1: 2187. You go and get her. I'll hold them here.
6: The guard's communicator beeps, and Han must answer the call. Uh, uh,
1: everything's under control. Situation normal.
6: Who is this? What's your operating number? Han answers the question with a blast from his laser pistol. Great conversation anyway. Luke, in but Luke ignores the warning and continues to leer south. There, the sleeping princess stirs and faces Luke. Aren't you a
1: little short for a stormtrooper? Huh? Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. who? Yes, I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is
6: he? Come on. Reports of the Princess's attempted escape soon reached the ears of Governor Tarkin and Lord Vader.
5: Governor Tarkin, we
1: have an emergency alert in detention block AA 23.
6: The Princess? Put all
5: sections on alert.
6: Obi Wan is here. The force is with him. If you're right, he must not be allowed to escape. Escape is not his plan. I must face him alone. In another part of the battle station, Solo, Luke, and Princess Leia find themselves trapped.
1: Can't get out that way. Looks like you managed to cut up her only an escape route. <laughs>
6: Maybe you'd like it back in your cell, your highness.
1: Uh-huh. I can't hold off forever. Now what? This is our rescue. When you came in here, didn't you have a plan for getting out? He's the brave, sweetheart. Well, I did what the hell are you doing? Somebody has to save our
6: skins. The princess blasts a hole in the metal bucket. Into the
1: garbage chute, flyboy. Get in there. <laughs> Get in there, you big furry! You <laughs> I don't care
6: what you smell. Get in there, you, <laughs> The poor fugitives tumble down a dark chute and find themselves in a large room filled with garbage and muck. Garbage! <laughs> That's
1: a really wonderful idea. What an incredible smell you've discovered! It could be worse.
6: It's worse. Suddenly, the walls begin to rumble and close relentlessly in. The fugitives are trapped in a huge garbage compactor.
1: The walls are moving Don't just stand there and try and brace it with something! Uh, Wait a minute! 3BO! Come in, 3BO! 3BO! Get on top! Uh, I can't! Where could he be? 3BO! Uh, one thing's
3: for sure, we're all gonna be a lot thinner.
6: R2D2 and 3 stand by at the control center.
1: Thank goodness they haven't found them. Where could they be? Use the com link. Oh my, I forgot. I turned it off. Oh. Are you there,
5: sir? 3PO! Uh, We've had
1: some problems. Will you shut up and listen to me? Shut down all the garbage mangers on the
3: detention
1: level, will you? Do you copy? Shut down all the garbage manches
6: on the detention level! Shut down all the garbage manches on the detention level! No! Shut them all down! Hurry! R2-D2 feeds the information to the main computer. And below deck, the deadly walls shudder to a halt.
3: Uh Uh What Uh <laughs> <laughs> hey! Hey! Open the pressure main. Where are we? Three, two, six, three, eight,
6: two, seven. Ben has finally reached the computer regulating the tractor beam, which holds their ship prisoner. After adjusting the terminal, the old Jedi edges his way into the shadows, unnoticed by stormtrooper guards. Meanwhile, the others move into position to make their run for the Millennium Falcon and freedom.
1: There she is. C-3PO, you copy? Yes, sir. Are you safe? For the moment. We're in the main hangar across right the ship. We're right above you. Stand by.
3: You came in that thing? You're braver than I thought.
6: Nice. Come on. Get them!
3: Blast Get back to the ship! You're come back.
6: But the lone star pilot is off after the troopers, with Chewie chasing behind him. The two race down a subway towards the main hangar, with Vader's men in rapid pursuit. We think
3: they may be splitting up. They may be on level five and six now. Close the blast doors.
6: Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Ben has made his way to the tunnels leading to the starship hangar. As he is about to emerge a dark and ominous presence appears i've been waiting for you obi-wan we meet again at last the circle is now complete when i left you i
5: was but the learner now i am
6: the master only a master of evil god the galactic warriors ignite their laser swords and begin combat but then he'd be under increasing pressure and strain, as if an invisible weight were pressing upon him.
5: Your powers are weak, old man. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine.
6: With that, he lunges at the Dark Knight, who checks the blow with a lightning move, and the duel continues, with swords flashing. You should not come back. The powerful adversaries seem evenly matched, each one deflecting the furious death blows of the other. At that moment, Han and Chewie burst through the tunnel within sight of the Millennium Falcon. Can we just leave this party? (laughs) What kept you?
1: We are running some old friends. Is she alright?
6: Seems okay if we can get to it. Just hope the old man got the tractor beam out of commission. But Luke spots another problem, as stormtroopers appear across the hangar. Mark! Come on, Artu. we're going. How's it, go. Ben? As they race to the ship, Luke catches sight of Ben and freezes, just as Vader's sword strikes the old master. But the Dark Knight has no victim. Ben has disappeared. Only his empty cloak remains. But Luke continues to fire at Vader's troops, as the others board the ship. Run, Luke! Run! Luke heeds the voice of the Jedi Master, and runs aboard.
1: I hope that old man got the tractor beam out of commission, or this is gonna be a real short trip. Okay, hit
6: The Falcon accelerates into space, but now Luke and Leia must fight off attacking Imperial fighters.
1: Too fast. Go! We've lost the lateral controls. Don't worry. All together.
5: Hear me, baby, hold
6: together. But even as they make their escape, Solo and the others do not realize they are only pawns in a much larger game. A game being controlled by Tarkin and Vader. Are
5: they away? And just make a jump into hyperspace you're sure the homing beacon is secure aboard their ship I'm taking an awful risk Vader this had better work
6: unaware that the Millennium Falcon is leading the battle station to the rebel base Solo is delighted with his handiwork not a bad bit of rescue huh you know sometimes I amaze even myself
1: that doesn't sound too hard they let us go It's the only explanation for the ease of our escape. Easy, you call that easy? They're tracking us. Not this ship, sister. (sighs) At least the information in R2 is still intact.
0: What's so important? What's he carrying?
1: The technical readouts of that battle station. I only hope that when the data's analyzed, a weakness can be found. It's not over yet.
6: The starship begins orbit of the fourth moon of Yavin, home of the secret rebel base. On landing... The group is met in an armored speeder which takes them to the spaceport erected inside the ancient remains of a massive temple. An eerie mist shrouds the forest of gigantic trees. The rebel commander rushes to greet them. You're safe. When we heard about Alderaan, we feared the worst.
1: We have no time for a SARS, commander. You must use the information in this R2 unit to help plan the attack. It's our only hope.
6: Rebel technicians pour over the information stored in the little robot. And indeed they do find what could be a serious flaw in the Death Star's design. Later, General Dodonna, chief strategist for the rebel forces, explains the defect to a starship pilots. Its defenses are designed around a direct, large-scale assault. A small, one-man fighter should be able to penetrate the outer defense. The target area is only two meters wide. It's a small thermal exhaust port right below the main port. The shaft leads directly to the reactor system. A precise hit will start a chain reaction, which should destroy the station. Only a precise hit will set up a chain reaction. The shaft is ray-shielded, so you'll have to use proton torpedoes.
1: That's impossible, even for a computer. It's not impossible. I used to bullseye womp rats in my T-16 back home. They're not much bigger than two meters. Then man your ships, and may the force be with you.
6: The Death Star has tracked the battered pirate starship to the Rebel outpost.
5: Orbiting the planet at maximum velocity. The moon with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. This will be a
6: day long remembered.
5: It has seen the end of Kenobi and will soon see the end of the rebellion.
6: With no time to waste, the Rebel flight crews hasten their departure. All
1: Oh, you got your reward and you're just leaving it? That's right,
0: yeah. I got some old debts I got to pay off with this stuff. Even if I didn't, you don't think I'd be
5: fool enough to stick around here, do you?
1: Why don't you come with us? Pretty good in a fight. Could use you. Come on. Why don't you take a look around? You know what's about to happen, what they're up against? They could use a good pilot like you. You're turning your back on them. What good's a reward if you ain't around to use it? Besides, attacking that battle station ain't my idea of courage. It's more like... Suicide? All right. Well, take care of yourself, Han. But I guess that's what you're best at, isn't it?
6: Faye, Luke. May the force be with
3: you.
6: What are you looking at? I know what I'm doing. Crewmen ready the ships, and R2 is lowered into position in Luke's fighter.
1: this R2 unit of yours seems a bit beat up. You want a new one? Not on your life. That little droid and I have been through a lot together. You okay, R2? Good. Okay, easy she gets. Hang on tight, R2. You've got to come back. You wouldn't want my life to get boring, would you?
6: Luke throttles forward to full power and the sleek fighter takes off as he seems to hear the voice of old Ben Kenobi Luke, the force will be with you All wings, report in. Red 10, standing by. Red 7, standing by. Red 3, standing by. Red 6, standing by.
1: Red
5: 9, standing by.
6: Red 2,
1: standing by. Red 11, standing by. Red 5, standing by.
6: Lock air spoils in attack position. We're passing through the magnetic field. Hold tight. Switch your deflectors on double front
1: look at the size of that thing
6: cut the channel red two. accelerate to attack speed in the death stars command post lord vader's aide calls attention to an annoying problem
1: we count 30 rebel ships lord vader but they're so small they're evading our turbo lasers
6: we'll have to destroy them ship to ship get the crews to their fighters the rebel base will be in firing range in seven minutes
5: Trust
1: your feelings. Squad leaders. We've picked up a new group of signals. Enemy fighters coming your way. My scope's negative. I don't see anything.
6: Pick up your visual scanning. Here they come. Watch it. You've got one on your tail. Watch your back. Watch your back. Fighters above you. Coming in.
1: It's not bad. R2, see
6: what you can do with it. Hang on back there. Red signal. Thanks, Wedge. Good shooting, Wedge. Red leader, this is gold leader. We're starting our attack run.
3: I copy, gold leader. Move into position. Switch to targeting computer.
6: Computer's locked. Getting a signal. Guns. They've stopped.
1: I've analyzed their attack, sir, and there is a danger. Should I have your ship standing by? Evacuate? In our moment of triumph? I think you overestimate their chances.
6: Rebel base, three minutes, and closing.
5: Red boys, this is Red Leader.
6: Rendezvous at mark 6.1. Loot, take Red 2 and 3. Hold up here
5: and wait for my signal to start your run. This is it. We should be able to see it by now. Keep your eyes open for those fighters. There's too much interference.
1: Red 5, can you see them from where you are? No sign of any... Wait, coming in point three five. I see them. I'm in range.
5: Target's coming up. Almost there.
3: It's
0: away!
5: It's negative. Negative. It didn't go in. Just impacted on
6: the surface. Get set up for your attack run. Rebel base, one minute and closing
1: bigs wedge let's close it up we're going in we're going in full throttle that to keep those fighters off our back right with you boss luke at that speed will you be able to pull out in time It'd be just like beggars canyon back home
4: we'll stay back far enough to cover you fighters coming in point three
1: hurry luke they're coming in much faster this
4: time we can't hold them
1: two trying to increase the power
6: rebel base 30 seconds in closing i'm on the leader
1: hang on r2
5: Luke, let go. The force is strong with this one. Luke, trust me.
1: His computer's off.
4: Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm all right.
6: Luke presses on, realizing his is a race to the death. He must destroy this metallic monster of malevolent evil before it can use its overwhelming firepower to annihilate the rebel base. He has but seconds. I've lost
3: our two! The Death Star has cleared the planet. The Death Star has cleared the planet. Rebel Base in
6: range.
4: You may fire when ready.
6: Commence primary ignition. Blue Starship speeds through the metallic trench. The young pilot is unaware of the danger above. Dark trader lines up on his target. I have you now. His wingman's tie fighter disintegrates. What? A clumsy pirate ship careens down and fires once again. Look out! Lord Vader's fighter goes out of control and spins helplessly toward deep space. Luke then hears the familiar voice of Han Solo. You're all clear, kid! Now
3: let's blow this thing and go
6: home! Luke remembers the lessons of Ben Kenobi. He pushes aside the target riser and closes his eyes as if in touch with something unseen. He touches a control and his last torpedo flies free. The menacing Death Star has exploded in a blinding light more powerful than a hundred suns.
1: Great shot, kid. That was one in a million.
6: Remember, the force will be with you. Always. Luke returns in triumph to the rebel base and is reunited with Han. And Princess Leah. Hey!
3: Hey! So I didn't
1: do
4: it. Well, let you get all
1: the credit and take all The
6: of blackened war. and battered hey, R2D2 is removed from Luke's starship.
1: Oh, no. Oh, my. R2! Can you hear me? Say something. You can repair him, can't you? We'll get to work on him right away. You must repair him. Sir, if any of my circuits or gears will help, I'll gladly donate them. He'll be all right.
6: Later, in the main temple of the huge ruins, hundreds of troops line up, banners are flying, and at the far end stands a vision in white, Princess Leia. Luke and the others march up the long aisle to stand before the smiling princess. From one side of the temple waddles Artur Ditu, fully repaired. He stands beside Riccio and a confused Chewbacca. Leah rises and places a gold medallion around Hans' neck, then does the same for Luke. They all turn to face the assembled troops who bow reverently before them. It is a day to be long remembered. A day of hope for peace and justice throughout the galaxy.
5: Remember, the Force will be with you, always.
3: Neverland Feedback.
4: Alright, before we shut this thing down, we have a bit of feedback to go through. I have some new reviews here on iTunes. We have a couple of them here, one from Doppler Bob. It says, you truly never know what you're going to find out there. As a new father of identical twin boys, both of whom are absolutely obsessed with Mickey, I really appreciate this fun look at Neverland and Beyond. It's such a fun release from the real world great to unwind with and it will make you smile for sure thank you very much for that five-star review over on itunes and i have another review from thomas ogrady phd it's nice to have a phd who gives us a review Uh, and it simply says fun to listen to very informative good topics like this are help us to feel young can't wait for more episodes thank you very much thomas ogrady phd for that wonderful review and also in our mailbag, we have a nice email from Jeffrey Fischbach, and it says, Good morning, Jeremy. I've really been enjoying your last episodes and the discussion on geeks or fans. Now, I consider myself a geek in some ways, but I've never in my life been to a Comic-Con, and I've never been to a Star Wars celebration. I can't afford the cost of travel and the hotel or motel costs to go to these events. I really hope I can someday, but I keep losing faith every year when I can't go. Also, I love Disney and Disney movies, but I have never been to Disney World or Disneyland, again, because of the reason above. So my question would be, does that make me just a fan of Star Wars, Batman, Superman, Disney, and everything else I love, or am I a geek? Also, I am a huge fan of Rush, and this is the first time I've heard someone say it's a rule you have to like Rush to be a geek or a nerd. That just blows my mind. So as so I am I, so I'm just as confused as you on the Rush thing, but I am a huge fan of Rush. I've been a fan of them since I was 7 years old. I also enjoy movie scores, but then again, doesn't everyone? I guess the only thing I'm really not into is gaming. I just don't understand it. When I'm listening to my Star Wars podcast and they start talking Battlefront, it makes me want to try the game, but I don't have a video game system, just can't afford one. But I also have no idea what a one-person shooter, or all the other words that they use to talk about the game. I am so lost. Oh, well, just wanted to write in and give you some of my thoughts. Keep up the good work. Happy Thanksgiving, and hope you and your wife feel better soon. Here's a little bit of pixie dust to help you guys out. See you in Neverland. This is a good email. I I like hearing back from uh, our. We had our Geek versus Fan panel, and a lot of the things you bump into with you know not being able to afford the cost of travel or the hotel or motel or you know being able to afford to go to a Disney park or uh, some of the conventions. Yeah, I'm in that same boat. That just kind of makes you the same as me. I'm I'm pretty much. You know, geeky fan, <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. I think I'm more, more on the geek side of things. Uh, so I'm right with you. I don't think the amount of money you have has anything to do with, uh, your, whether you fall more on the geek or fan side. I think it's just, you know, things that you would do ha- if you had the money. Because <laughs> not all of us were able to go and collect everything or can, you know, I, I do a Disney podcast, but I can't afford to go to the parks. Uh, so, but I, you know, I have been once at least, but that was on somebody else's dime. Um, now the other thing of course gaming we don't consider that to really sway any direction one or the other because everybody likes to play games well except for you <laughs> I guess you're just not you know you probably just haven't found a game that you enjoy there might be some games you play on Facebook or perhaps on your phone maybe you've enjoyed some of those it's possible uh, there's probably a game out there that you would enjoy in some fashion we think it's kind of a universal everybody likes to play some sort of games just not all of them are video games I would say though it's probably more on the geek side if you're into playing like role playing games like uh, with you know a 20 20- Sided dice like Dungeons and Dragons that's probably more on the geek side if you go on that one but of course that's not a video game and you don't know what a one-person shooter as you said it but that would be a first-person shooter Uh, that would be of course a game where it's everything is from your perspective it is your point of view and uh, so basically you're seeing everything through your own eyes in the video game as you are shooting your bad guys aliens monsters whatever they are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's what a first-person shooter would be. And, yeah, the new Battlefront is a first-person. So you get to see everything from the perspective of the character you are playing, uh, which is makes it a lot of fun. I kind of like the uh, old Battlefront games with more of a third-person, which you have to think of first-person and third-person kind of like uh, when you're reading a book and it's in, in the tone of first-person or third-person. Think of it that way. That really all helps because I'm sure you've read some books before in your day. Uh, but the great email. Thank you for sending it, and thank you for listening. And uh, as always... Send us more feedback. We love hearing from y'all out there in Neverland. Well, I guess we better wrap this thing up. This has kind of become a very long show today. Uh, Thank you for listening. Remember to keep that pixie in your pocket because you have to keep that young at heart and good attitude with you in order to share that pixie pixie dust for the others. So until we see you next week, God bless and uh, welcome to the Christmas season.
1: Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash and Facebook.com slash Neverland Podcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland podcast is copyright blue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license.